Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. downloading my podcast my name is rob snow white that is my real last name and this is the 10th year and the 233rd episode of my podcast this episode features joe jackson also known as sergeant bass fisher joe's recently become a household name in fly time joe is a military veteran with a truly moving story about how he got into fly fishing we'll discuss joe's childhood and his military career post 9-11 to a near tragic ending before he found Project Healing Waters in fly fishing. If you know a veteran that is struggling, please provide them with support and suggest they try Project Healing Waters. In this episode, you'll learn about Joe chasing flashes of butter, his musical talents, family life with a supportive wife, and how he plans to tour the country with his kids in a new band called the Jackson 5 as they sing their new hit song, I Want You, Flashback. I have spent a lot of time this past spring in my Stealthcraft ATB. It is definitely my happy place. I feel home in my boat. And our good friend Dirty Bill is the proud owner of a Stealthcraft boat. It's a good thing he didn't give birth to it. Am I right? Let's hear a little from Dirty Bill about his new ride. Hi, my name is Mike Dale, owner of Dirty Bill's Guide Service. I've been a drift boat guide for the last 10 years on the Salmon River in upstate New York. And this year I purchased a Stealthcraft boat because their attention to detail and frankly the over-engineering of everything in this boat from the rod holders to the tie-downs to the seat configuration is just amazing. Um, It kind of makes other drift boats seem a little silly after I've rode this one. Uh, Stealthcraft Boats of Baldwin, Michigan. Check them out. 
All right, we have Sergeant Joe Jackson with us. Are you a member of the Jackson Five? Um, not anymore. I was booted. Okay. We got Dr. Dre out there. He's not a real doctor. Just want to make sure you're a real sergeant. Yes, sir, I am. Uh, well, I was uh, four years ago when I got out. All right. We'll get to that in a bit. And I usually ask people for their doppelganger as they can't see us while we're doing this. But I already have yours. I mentioned this once. You showed a picture of yourself clean shaven, and you look like a young Andy Circus, the guy who played Smeagol and a bunch of other things. Well, hell yeah, that's or heck yeah, that's awesome. All right, my bad. It's all right. That's that's one of the words. That's okay. What uh, other doppelgangers have you been told you might look like? Well, I used to model, and uh, that's weird. But uh, I had a one particular photo where I'm. Wearing sunglasses and no shirt, and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, you look like Eric Church," and Eric. I was like, "I don't know who that is." Yeah, I don't <laughs> know Eric Church he's either. A, he's a country music guy. Okay. He always wears a ball cap. Like, I guess that's why. Yeah, a lot of the new ones don't wear the country hats anymore. They do the baseball hat. Yeah. Country singers. All right. Well, let's get find out all about Joe. So, for those that don't know, I met Joe at the Lancaster show about two years ago, maybe. And we started talking, and I decided, uh, I think now would be a good time to get your whole story told. So where are you right now? Where are we talking to, to Joe Jackson? I'm in, I'm in Martinsville, Indiana, sitting in my tying room, cranking out 50 parachute white knot, rusty white knots. I'm not sure what that is. It's uh, a fly. I didn't know what it was till this morning. Uh, but it's an Osable fly. It's a mayfly, spent mayfly. It's okay. real big, size 12, size 10. I got asked to do it because there's deer hair in it. So Right on. And I, I hope your office is nicer looking than mine. Mine's got a particular odor to it right now. So I've got the windows open. I had a, a buddy give me a bunch of old uh, old tie-in materials, um, some like capuchin monkey and what? some fuller and, and so my room smells like uh, mothballs hardcore right now. Capuchin monkey, what does that get used for? I don't know. He gave it to me, and it's really unique. Um, it's kind of orangish, brownish red. It's barred, and I'm going to use it for little teeny parachutes because it's only like half inch long. And tailing material. All right. Flies. So I'll I, shoot you. I'll cut you a patch off. Send it to you. Sure. I've had experience with capuchins before. I met one in the Amazon named Christian, and he liked to knock over my cups of hot chocolate and drink them he would come out of the rafters at the lodge we were at and he would knock over your food and steal stuff off your plates and then scurry back up he was obnoxious sounds like my kids yeah <laughs> all right so where did you grow up are you from indiana and if we're gonna throw a, a dart at your town you're in now what, what is that near any landmarks where um, out of towners might know if you follow the white river south of indianapolis for about 40 miles that's where i'm at okay and we decided you're a couple hours from Columbus. So at some point, I don't know if I can make it out there like we tried last year. Maybe we can meet like halfway in the middle. Yeah, I need to get out that way anyway and fish with my friend uh, Tony from Simperfly Fly Rods. And uh, it'd be cool to get both of you guys together at the same time. Two birds, one stone. Yeah, I met them at the Lancaster show this past year. He's he's a really cool guy. Um, I invited him out to a show we had here in Indiana. And... Uh, he showed up, and he had a seven-weight bronze bag, simple fly rod with Sergeant Bassfisher on the side, and 
I was casting it, and then he's like, oh, this is your rod. I was like, holy what? cow. It's one of my favorite rods. It, it just, it's my favorite smallmouth rod. It just does the job. And when I was out in the New York, the southeast New York this weekend at Daddy Flies, I uh, I took it there, and I had, it was it was fun. It's good for throwing big meat streamers and still got a soft tip. Oh, I could use that today, but we got skunked on the water today. It was rough. But we were using the, big rods and big sticks and big flies today that nothing wanted to eat them. For? Uh, they wanted snakeheads. They live on a body of water called Little Hunting Creek. It's right at Mount Vernon. Yeah. And they live on the water, which means they have access to the boat ramp. There's really no other way for me to get there because I've got a small outboard. And I can't get to it from a boat ramp. So we went up this private, mostly private little creek that doesn't get a whole lot of traffic. A lot of bass boats will come through, but we didn't see anyone today. We were fishing lily pads and docks and under boats and along structure, beaver dams. and Got a couple blow-ups, but nothing. And the water was like fishing in, in like, uh, it was it was pretty like Hershey's milk looking. Yeah, that doo-doo brown. Rain. This spring, just like the last three springs, has been terrible. You guys are getting swamped. I'm getting swamped, yeah. losing money. We just pulled about three pounds of strawberries out of our backyard. We're doing a, you know, like a spaghetti pot full a night of strawberries right now. The rain was good for strawberries. Yeah, our, uh, the kids were out there earlier picking some more. We got a teeny patch. We've only lived here for a year now, so ours is just getting established. We have a hundred square feet of strawberry plants. Holy cow, it is awesome. enormous. I, I stopped counting, I think, 80 plants. <laughs> I was like, this is just too much. So we got a good how crop. Start to get, how many did you plant to start out with? We inherited them. They, they were with the house. So we decided the house was called Strawberry House. My daughter named it that when we moved in. So I, I still want to get that sign out front of like a strawberry drinking a martini. I think that would be a, a cool little pub oh, sign for oh. the house. Well, let's... Talk about your fishing. Have you always been an angler? Uh, since I was about four, my mom got me out fishing. That's just what we did on the weekends. Uh, we'd go camping and fishing. Started out like everyone else with a bobber drowning a worm. And then while I was probably seven or eight, I got in uh, tackle fishing for bass because I, I had found like a chartreuse grub leadhead jig in in the river where someone littered and just lost it tied it on my little zipco and i started tossing out this little beach area at this local lake and i hooked me like a 14 inch largemouth and i was like oh this is i was seven i was like this is like the biggest fish in the world or the biggest largemouth i ever seen at that point i just got obsessed i spent most of my years as a kid if it was too cold or too rainy to be out fishing i was reading my uh north american what is it North American Fishing Club books that my mom bought me every month on a subscription. That's awesome that she was supportive of it all. I'm actually going to fish with my dad for the very first time this summer. Never fished with him. He's in the military. And it was like polar opposites. My mom, my mom's sort of wild and out in the woods. And my dad's, you know, super strict work. And so I got the best of both worlds. And uh, I got my discipline from my dad and my demeanor and my love of the, the outdoors for my mom. When did you start getting into the fly fishing? Was that something your mom introduced you to? No, I actually introduced her to that um, last year. But uh, fly fishing, I've only been tying and fly fishing since um, I think it was November of 2015. 
So this November will be my fourth year tying and fly fishing. That's pretty nuts that you're doing stuff that most people spend a lifetime trying to learn and you've only done it in, you know, the amount of years I can count on one hand. It's complete therapy for me. I didn't anticipate getting any attention from it. It's the same thing with a bunch of the guys like Lee Barbie and Raymond Collette. They don't, uh, John Demuth, they're not like trying to make a huge name for themselves. They can, you, I can just sit in my room and get completely lost and then the whole world just dissolves. But I got into fly tying and fly fishing through Project Healing Waters. That's a good story. I talked to you about the story. Yeah. We'll um, get into that in a moment. But did you have, were you an artist growing up? Like in high school, did you take art classes? Because there's deep inside of you, there's an artist that yeah, I, did I, it come I, out recently in the last five uh, years? I was a tattoo artist for a while. Um, I painted my whole life and drew. I doodle all the time. But I don't know. I've just always been an artist, sort of, right. on my own. Doodle your flies to see, you know, draw them firsthand and see how they're going to come out? No, I just sort of, like, when it comes to my display flies, I just, um, I do some unique things. I'll, I'll, like, someone wanted a cardinal. Cardinals are easy. They're all red and black. And so I just put a bunch of hair on a hook and trim it that way. I like working with clay as well. So that really, like Pat Cohen said, um, Deer hair is essentially just you're painting with hair, and then you're sculpting out the body. Right. Just like, and I can't put it any better way. He, it, it's perfect what he explained it. Would you ever cut someone's hair if they're like, "Yo, man, I want to have a flamingo hair cut," and you like make a flamingo out of someone's hair, like give them a buzz cut but shape it? I could do that. That'd be pretty sweet. It would be tough. It would take me a lot of hours, and they'd get. They get tired of sitting there, but like once All I right. started, I won't stop. It's funny you uh, said flamingo. That's one of my next big projects. I'm going to make a like a 12 inch tall flamingo with deer hair and hooks and shanks. That's going to be cool for my mother in law. Nice. She don't know. Does she listen to podcasts? No, actually, my I got my in laws into fly fishing as well, but uh, she reads a lot of books. So, but I haven't got them into well, uh, the podcast. My father in law listens to yours and the orvis podcast because they're learning and that's awesome uh, yeah they're super supportive of what i'm doing uh when i'm not getting fly orders my father-in-law has me out he owns an electrical business and i'm handy and i know how to build houses and do electrical work so he'll have me out that's what i was doing all day today we were out there finishing a bathroom and we we remodeled and uh then i come home and tie flies sounds like a good afternoon yeah, it's, it's good that you've got that, those skills. I don't. Uh, m- my wife and my brother just call me a jack of all trades. I, I get obsessed with things. I get really good at them. I've been playing drums for like twenty nine years and guitar, and I play with clay and I do all this randomness. I like flower gardens and making flowers grow. And um, I'm a. I don't know if you know this. I'm a nerd for mushrooms, uh, wild mushrooms, and foraging. I know most. Most all the edible mushrooms in the Midwest, I know they're Latin names, like a lot of the dry fly guys know all the dry fly yeah. hatches by their scientific names. Do you ever find porcinis? Um, not, not down here. I know in the Pacific Northwest, they're, uh, they're pretty, pretty thick up there, but our porcinis, um, uh, like the, um, uh, it's weird when you get them from a store because they're all 
the porcinis, the baby bellas, the portobello mushrooms, and the white button mushrooms. They're all agaricus biporous mushroom, except they're grown in different conditions. And they're all irradiated yeah. before they get to the store. Yeah, it's where they grow the white ones in dark tunnels, and they grow the portobellas with UV light. And uh, the porcinis, I think they grow them with very little water. I'm not quite sure on the porcinis, but... We could do a whole fungus episode. Oh, yeah, I'd have to get my brother involved in that. He knows a lot. Oh, my gosh. You guys are awesome. He does the plants, and I do the mushrooms. So spring salads are awesome because we just hit out in the woods and find trout lilies, trilliums, and all these cool little plants and edible mushrooms and make a cool salad. All right, this is. I need to stop the conversation because I'm going to go on a tangent with you for an hour about (laughs) plants and stuff. Uh, Let's talk about like uh, growing up and then going into your military career. How did you decide to go into the military, and how old were you? I was 17 when I enlisted, and uh, I think my wife's out back mowing grass. I don't know if you can hear that. (laughs) We can hear it a little bit. Okay, good. As long as it's not bugging you. I enlisted when I was 17. I had one year of high school left. My dad was in since before I was born, so I was destined for it. 9-11 happened. It's just that was something I had to do. I loved it. Uh, I was in for 14 years. Which branch of the military? The Army. What did you get? A, how many uh, like countries and stuff did you go see in that time? Did you Count see the, the world? Just, uh, the, the ones we just stopped in and left and all the countries I actually lived in, it was like 17, I think. Wow. My favorite was uh, Turkey and Ireland. They're just absolutely gorgeous. Turkey is beautiful, especially after spending a year in the desert. And you get out there and you're like, wow, I didn't I didn't expect Turkey to be so green. And then you get to so Ireland gonna... and you're like, wow, this is completely green. Yeah, I was in Afghanistan for nine months when I flew into Ireland. And I was like, it like it's so bright green. It just like hurt your eyes. And what was your role in the military? I, I was wanna... a infantry guy. Bullet sponge. Bullet sponge. I've not heard that before. But... 11 Bravo, boot bangers. Okay. And then what What age were you when you got out? I was, I don't know, about four years ago. I was third, 29, 30. Oh, you're still young. Yeah, I turned 35 next month, so. Okay. I got out in, uh, July 24th, my dad's birthday, ironically. And then what led you from that to Healing Waters? Were you injured? Was it more... Um, well, I got, I got strong on getting out. I had a, I had been injured in a Humvee. My back and neck were real jacked up, and I had a pretty traumatic TDI. They allowed me to stay in, but the commander I had at the time, I had a piece of paper, and I had to get it signed by a doctor to stay in. He wouldn't sign it, the VA, so they they forced me out, and then uh, I was a civilian. Are you still feeling the effects of those injuries? Uh, my neck and back hurt constantly. I'm not into taking narcotics, so ibuprofen and Excedrin will get you through, I promise. <laughs> I just work out, stretch, and try to stay healthy. I'm sure you notice after you spend more than three minutes with me, I always like pop my neck real fast. It's like a weird twitch. That just relieves momentarily? Yeah, I don't think about it anymore. I just do it. 
It's just, uh, it's all my vertebrae right there are just uncomfortable. Ouch. The VA is still hashing it out. I have to go in and get, they, they're, they do like acupuncture stuff now, I guess. Put probes on my back and shock me and stretch me out all the time. Crikey. It's actually relaxing. It makes it, it really does make it quit hurting for like the day. Well, that's good. But, How did you get involved with healing waters? Did you see something at the VA? Yeah, um, I got voluntold to go to the VA. Voluntold? Uh, yeah, I had a, a situation where uh, life was just sort of crumbling around me, and uh, uh, I just sort of wanted to end it, I guess. I, I was pretty weak at that point. I don't remember much of it. I don't drink at all, but at that point, I was smashing booze constantly. Just sort of my coping mechanism. I got my first job as a civilian at a, a factory, and... Uh, I worked there for a week or two, and they, they put me on full time. So I went from like $9 an hour to like $16 an hour. And then after 90 days, they made me a team leader. So uh, I went from like 16 to 20-something an hour. It was good for a year, and then one of my lines made a a, a terrible mistake. It cost the company like $150,000, and uh, it really bugged me. So I, it was the first time they got to see Sergeant Jackson. And, you know, I brought the knife hand out, and I was lecturing everybody, and they didn't like it. They didn't like how I had to say it. They sort of – they were all privates to me at that point. I was just giving them a good turn <laughs> into, you know. So I got I got canned from that, and then I was like, whatever. I got money saved up. I'll just roll with it. And uh, so I just spent most of my time at the gym, and then everything went bad from there with the girl I was dating. I just sort of – I was over it. Tried to end it. Um. Drank a bunch of booze and ate some, like two bottles of aspirin. You know. Oh my god. Right off. My my buddy, Bobby, walked up in my house because we were supposed to be going to the gym. And that's like what we did. We just lifted for like six hours a day and got real jacked. He walked in. I was all covered in blood and like passed out. Like blood everywhere. He said. He's like, it looks like you. Just coming out of like your nose, your mouth. No, no, my arms and everywhere really oh god i got all emo you know i didn't know what to do right i, I wasn't strong enough thank thank god to put one in my brain <laughs> i was just over it so he called the cops you know a police officer showed up he's a young guy and he knew that he knew i was in the military for a really long time and uh, he drew down on me when when i was there because i was kind of agitated i reckon i sort of just palmed his pistol and twisted it and Oh took it my God. back in the head and uh right about that time is when i passed out my friend bobby is one of my dear friends but he's like man you disarmed and assaulted a police officer I, he called another police officer he said he wasn't going to try to get involved i don't blame him whatsoever uh he's a real good guy i woke up at the hospital with a police officer with a bandage around his head Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I guess what happened was he woke up after I knocked him out, put me in his car, 
and drove me to the ER. And then he sat with me all night while I was getting these blood transfusions and they were detoxing me. Sit all night. It was about eight or nine hours. So when I woke up, I looked at him and I asked him what happened. He told me, he's like, well, he's like, you got a couple options. He's like, I got a year and one day to press charges. He's like, and you're going to be looking at like a lot of prison time. So was he not, was he there to look after your well-being or was he waiting to be a, a police officer when you woke up? He, he stayed there on his own accord. Wow. He never pressed charges. He said, I can go to the VA and get psychological help. He's got it all set up to where I go there three times a week. He did that overnight. And so the very next day, well, two days later when they released me, I went to the VA in Indianapolis. And I, I'm, I'm not a big – and then I, you wouldn't know me then. I wasn't a big talker. I didn't like people. I thought everybody was stupid. They irritated me. I was just a loner. I went in there and I saw a flyer for Project Healing Waters. It was like fly fishing and vets. I was like, you know, fishing and veterans, that's something I could do. So I, I took a screenshot and went to my therapy appointment, sat there for an hour without saying anything. And on my way home, I, I called up Rich, who was a project lead here in Indianapolis. And they had a, let's see, what my timeline. So they had, Italian event a week later, which would have been November 17th, 2015, I think. It would have been that week. We always meet up on the third weekend. So it was a Saturday, and I went met up with them at the VA. It was crazy. Yeah, they I titled my first wolf fly. It was a woolly bugger, and I thought they were just, like, touting on me, like, trying to motivate me to stick around, but they said it was real good. And then, uh, and I just kept tying. I tied like every day. Uh, you know, it, it was pretty crazy. I met the, my my wife. I met her shortly thereafter, and uh, she's a saint. She she didn't allow me to have a job. She told me just to stay at home and and you know, as we were dating, she told because I was living with my brother because I had to move to Indianapolis because it was like two and a half hour drive to Indianapolis. I was having to make three times a week. So I stayed home with my brothers, and eventually I moved in with Megan, and I stayed home and tied. She allowed, and then I found deer hair. Deer hair is what I needed. Tying was awesome. Fly fishing was awesome. Being around veterans was awesome. This deer hair was what I needed because I needed a way to let out my anger. Putting deer hair on a hook for two hours when you're starting out and being so proud of that giant mess you just made and then cutting it with a razor blade and having it explode in your face will tick you off. <laughs> and it, it sent me in such a ball of rage every time. It was really awesome to, to rage on something that was inanimate and not somebody. And uh, I just sort of started obsessing with it. And, you know, after my first first eight months of tying, I submitted four flies to the Project Healing Waters tying contest. A few months later, they, they I got a call from um, someone in Healing Water said I placed in the top five nationally. And I was like, I hung up on him because I thought it was one of my buddies joking around with me. <laughs> and then he called me back and he's like, uh, my name's Duke Davis. I'm with Project Healing Waters. Uh, you placed top five in the nation. I was like, what was my fly? He's like a little deer hopper. I was like, okay. 
You're legit. What do I do now? And he's like, well, we're going to pay for everything. You're going to go to the International Fly Tying Symposium. And you're going to tie flies, and you're going to find out who plays first through fifth. So I went there. Crazy. Was that Um, the one in Lancaster? It was in Lancaster that year. And then I met you three months later in March at the Lancaster show. Right. Your deer hair stuff was nuts. Yeah, I... um, it was weird. I, you know, my daughter asked me to tie hummingbird, and so I made a hummingbird. And you know, Duke was like, "Hey, you need to bring some flies to display because you're going to be tying in front of all the A-list fly tires and big companies of the world." I was like, "All right, no pressure." So, like at that point, the only display quality fly I had was a, a couple divers and the hummingbird. I didn't think nothing of it, and then, you know, I showed up early. Uh, the morning we were tying and cause I was super nervous and I set up my, my booth and I started tying before anyone else was even out and about. And, uh, you're probably going to make a bacon sandwich at Lancaster show. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that podcast, but uh, I was out there tying and, you know, Bob Clouser and, and Joan, uh, were the first ones to walk through and Bob Clouser were, I didn't really know who he was at that point. I, and I didn't, I, I didn't know what he looked like. I knew who Bob Clouser was, but Joan was like, I want that. <laughs> I was like that, ma'am, that's the only, only one I've ever tied. It's for my two year old daughter. She's like, well, what, what, would you tie me one? I'm like, yeah. So I tied her one and I gave it to her. And Bob asked for like five of my other flies. If he could buy them, I was like, you can have them, sir. He's like, great. He's like, they're going to go in my, my uh, he called. I, th- I don't remember what he called it. It's essentially a war room, just his display room. So, my first show was at the International Fly Tying Symposium. The first people that ever just like took my flies to hat was Bob Clouser and Joan Clouser. And then it it really just took off from there. It was overwhelming. And we have one of your hummingbirds on display in our kitchen. That's awesome. A lot of people ask about it. And I'm like, this is like handmade from deer hair. And they're like, excuse me? I'm like, yeah, Sergeant Batch Fisher, he he carves these out of deer hair. And people are just like, what the? Because it doesn't look like anything I do. People see my flies laying around the house, and they're like, "Uh uh-huh. And then they see that, and they're like, what? That thing is impressive. And what's the beak on it again? Um, Originally, on the first one, it was um, a toothpick. And then uh, when I told... Joan, I would tie her one. Uh, Bob came back a little bit later, and he threw some porcupine quills on my table. I was like, here, use those for the beak. Because every fly fisherman walks around with porcupine quills? No, he, uh, there was a fly shack. Fly shack had him, and he was over there looking around at fly shack before the show started, and he saw him. He's like, oh, that would be a cool beak, and so he gave them to me. And I use them on a lot of things. I still use the same pack that he bought me because there's like 500 pe- uh, porcupine quills in there. I've been by Fly Shack for years. I've never seen porcupine quills. What else are they used for? <laughs> um, um, Lee Lee told me I can use them for extended bodies because uh, they're hollow. They're sort of hollow. They got like it's like almost a foaming material on the inside, and they'll uh, they'll collapse on a hook. So you have that little tip that you can work with to create extended bodies. Interesting. I haven't done it yet. But you're making hummingbirds out of them. That's pretty yeah, novel. Uh, 
the beak of my kingfisher, the hummingbird. What else have I used it for? Um, I don't know. Uh, the woodpecker, pileated woodpeckers I've done. The blue oh, one. So I love the blue bird you did. Was the blue jay or is it a, a kingfisher? Kingfisher. kingfisher. Yeah. yeah, that was really cool. And for people that are, you want to pause and go see these, you're on Instagram as Sergeant Bass Fisher. Yeah, SGT dot Bass Fisher. Okay. Everyone go pause, go look, go follow, and then play the podcast again. And then listen to it again after that. That's right. <laughs> That's what I do with your small mouth and cart podcast. I've listened to him like 200 times. Awesome. Thank you. I love those science. I'm a nerd, man. I love yeah. biology. I'm working on another one, but I am working every day right now that I don't have time to get stuff done. That's how I am. I'm swamped. I got, let's see, today I have a cardinal and a hummingbird order, six Sergeant Bass Fisher mop frogs, 50 of these rusty white knot dry flies. How long, of flies how long does it take to do an average bird fly? Um, between two and six hours. Wow. The pheasant is, and the kingfisher are difficult. They, um, I think the pheasant has like 17 colors of deer hair blended in it. And the kingfishers, you got 14 or 15. Did you have, where did you learn to do the deer hair? Do you have influencers? Did you look at YouTube tutorials? Uh, and how long did it take before you could actually start cranking it down on a hook and carving it and it would look like something um well i looked at books a dave whitlock book i had and that's how i learned the basic basic basics and one of my buddies and one of the volunteers from project healing waters was like took notice of what i was trying to do and, and uh he's like hey next month i'm gonna bring you something so next month i show up and he's got like three pat cohen dvds he's like take these so i watched the first one for the diver, which divers are my favorite. They're so much better than poppers. We'll go into that later. But he gave me these DVDs. I watched the first one like four times. I was like, so many things I was doing wrong. Like, he's got it down to his science, and he explains it so well. Pat Cohen does. So I started I started using his method and stacking, and I'm pretty much that's what I'm pretty much doing now. I have a few little things I do differently, but uh. His method's so good, and everybody noticed the difference in my deer hair. And then uh, I put a four-aught hook underneath my knuckle, my thumb knuckle one day where oh. I was packing hair. Ooh. And my wife's like, you need to go out and get Pat Cohen's Bugly Packer. I was like, you don't have to tell me twice. I'll go, I'll go buy one. I'm looking at mine right there. I have never used it, but I have one. Oh, you got to. It, it's good. We'll Skype on video one day, and we'll run through it. I, I'll teach you how to do hummingbird. Oh, my gosh. But uh, they're pretty – they're one of the easier flies I do. But uh, I tell you what, I got that ugly packer, and I tied two flies with it, posted on the internet, and everybody was like, dude, you have mastered deer hair. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. All I did was buy a tool. But it really, really makes a difference. That thing – it's like racing, going like on a country road, racing someone that's driving a, a Corvette and you're you're driving a Chevette, you know, compared to a Brassy. That thing just packs hair, saves your fingers. So many times I should have just punctured my my hand with a big old hook, but uh, it bounces off that. that 
but it really made a difference in my tying. Uh, everybody's like packing them so tight now, and I started selling flies. I, I tied, you know, one of Pat's punk rockers, and everybody loved it. You know, I tag Pat and everything that I do that's his because it's just I don't like artistic thieves. He's super cool, and uh, I could I can message him and ask him a question if I was stuck on it, and you know he would let me know. Uh, super good, good dude. I just found a new idea for the hair hair uh, packer. Come here, little one. Talk to Joe. <laughs> Tell Joe what you just asked me to do. Talk yank to the microphone. Say it again. Yank out my tooth. She wants me oh. to yank out her tooth. That is an awesome idea. The problem is I don't do teeth. Oh. Like wiggly teeth is some nastiness. I would do it. I'm like 700 miles away. Can I can I use your idea for uh, my daughter's tooth one day? He's gonna take it out with his daughter's tooth, with that green tool right there. Go grab that. <laughs> You're in here barefoot. You just stepped on it. There's a size four streamer hook. She just stepped on. No. Here, this tool. Hold on. I got four kids it, here. It's chaos all the time. They all want to tie. Four with kids, me. man. See, you are the Jackson Five. You got to get mm -hmm. them in a band. All right, Kirsty, well, out. I'm busy. Scram, kid. We got them all playing music already. <laughs> Jeez, my kid. Uh, I don't know what her talent's going to be. Annoying me. Oh, they're all good at that. That's 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 their evolution. Yeah. Where do you <laughs> procure your deer hair? Is that something that you need to go through? and look at before you purchase it or can you buy it sight unseen and then go through and look at it there there's places you can get really good deer hair and if you do get bad deer hair there's a lot of things you can do with it i get all my deer hair now through nature spirit jay stalkard and wapsy um another good place is pat pat only sells premium belly hair it's top notch you don't get a bad patch but through i don't get much bad deer hair from any of those people any of those companies it's and uh, when I do, I'm generally pretty excited because I got a use for it. Um, like with natural hair, if you get some really just stuff that's too skinny and it doesn't flare as good as you want, or it's too smooth and it's not got that nice rough texture you want on really good stacking or spinning hair, you can use it for mice patterns. Really, really skinny, like stimulator hair, you can use for stimulators, obviously, but really crappy belly hair you can use for dry flies. I'm what about used. the cleanup? Do you do you end up inhaling deer hair? Yeah. Like I don't want to be gross, but when you're in the bathroom, do you look back and you're like, "Oh, I was tying a a blue uh, deer hair yesterday." I got a I got a good example of that for you. Last summer, the kids were being super good all day, and I had an order of pink and purple flies for casting for recovery. It was all deer hair. So I told them if they like gave me three good hours of tying without bugging me. I would take him out for ice cream. So I had finished, finished up the last fly, and you know I, I announced to the whole world that I was done because it was really I was tying really fast, <laughs> and I was tired of it. So the kids were all fired up to go get ice cream. So I was like, right on, I'm not taking you out to get ice cream. I'm gonna go to Walmart and get something. We're gonna come home and play in the yard. So they all were laughing at me the whole time. My daughter, she's she would have been four. She's she's a goober. She was just laughing at me, calling me a girl the whole time. And I was like, okay, whatever. This is a funny joke on me, apparently. Yeah, everybody was snickering at me. I got home, and I looked in the mirror. I had pink and purple clumps of deer hair in my beard. And I was rocking around Walmart and the gas station with it in my beard. And they knew it but didn't say anything? They did not tell me. That's funny. I wouldn't have either because that's funny. Kids. But uh, 
yeah, they crack. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, they love fly fishing and tying. So I've, I've kind of got it made. My wife ties with me. I use a, a reward system over video games. You know, I'm just trying to make the video game obsolete to my kids. So uh, the real reward in the house is getting a use your fly rod or getting a set behind a vice with dad and mom. I might have so to they're all, they're use all making that. grades and being good just to get vice time. Nice. Took me a long time to manipulate that situation. <laughs> what vice brand do you use, and what model? Um, right now, I have three Regals. I'm on Regals Pro Team. I'm using the one that I won in the fly tying contest. Right now, the little traveler with the Helium Waters medallion. That's the one you thought you lost. Yes, someone accidentally grabbed it. I was overwhelmed by. I was so. I was a new kid on the block. We thought someone snatched it up. It was brand new, and there was like 30 people that reached out to me and was like, hey, I'm going to send you advice. I'm going to send you advice. And then my advice was found, and so I had to message all those people back and be like, no, we found it. We found it. Thank you so much. And uh, I was I was overwhelmed by that. It was my first real taste of how, how caring and awesome the fly fishing community is. Welcoming, really. Yeah, I like that about all of us. We help people out. We got each other's backs. I know. I love that. And it's like I can go anywhere in the United States and be like, hey, get on a, get on some form. Be like, hey, what's hatching? Or, hey, what's good? You know, and someone someone will be like, hey, you know, link up with me. We'll, we'll do this or whatever, you know. Or they'll be like, hey, stay off of water. <laughs> <laughs> Either or. Oh. Uh, but my, my vice I'm using for deer hair uh, is a vice I got from my friend Al Fish. <clears throat> um, he... he He's taught me a lot. He's a in our Indianapolis Flycasters. He the one that gave me the capuchin and the polar bear. Right, and his name is Fish. Yeah, Al yeah. Fish, Alan Fish. He's a super good dude. Uh, everywhere I go in the United States, there somebody knows Al. It's crazy. Fishy Folum was. Uh, I told him I was at the Indianapolis Flycasters, and he's like, "Oh, Al Fish, he's crazy." And then, you know, Bob Clouser out there, and then I go down south, and Tony Spezio's like, "Oh, you know Al." He's he's one of my good buddies, and uh, he gave me a Regal Vice. It's 27 years old. The round knob handle. Yeah. It is. It shows you just how well those things are built. It's what I tie. It's got the bigger jaws on it, and but they're they're a little different shape. It's weird, but I love it. It's it's strong still, and uh, I've been only using a Regal for two three years now. Well, two years. Three years, three years ago, I was using a Peak, and I, I like it too. But I mean, I just prefer the Regal. Yeah. Um, mine's mine's right here. Mine's up, yeah, just easy in and out. My daughter, I was doing a video on YouTube, and she was tying, and she wanted to do a live video, and she was telling everybody about the partridge hooks I use, and I asked her why she likes the Regal the best, and she tried to squeeze the handle. She's like, "Cause it's so strong." And so I posted that on you or Facebook. Instagram, it got a bunch of likes. A couple days later, Steve from Regal reached out to me and was like, "Hey, would you like to join our pro team?" <laughs> nice. I, I attribute Chalk that it up to, to the her kid. Yeah. And so you're a fan of the partridge hooks? Yeah, uh, I'm with Willow Emop Creek. Uh, is the first company that that was like, "Hey, we'd like you to have our join our pro staff team, and um, we like what you're doing, and we're gonna give you discounts." So I was like, hey, I did actually, I did not reply to that email for like five months. 
because I thought it was spam. And then I was talking to John Collins on Facebook, and I mentioned it to him. He's like, oh, that's Joe Fox, man. He's a real good dude. So Yeah, yeah. you should definitely go for that. So I reached back out and, and joined him. So far, you've hung up on people, and you haven't replied to their emails when they're helping you. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm still healing. You know, I'm paranoid. Yeah. Um, but I'm a lot better. I couldn't, I couldn't do this podcast three years ago. Um, I'm glad we could do it now. Yeah, it, it's fun. I like, I like teaching. I'm obsessed with teaching people. I, I think that's a, that's why so many people are starting to like me because I like teaching. I don't have any secrets, and I don't know, it's it's been crazy. I've been in Arkansas, Missouri, Michigan. You just went to New York. I just went to New York last weekend. I was up at Daddy Flies. It was a blast. They treated me and my wife like family. We went up there for business, and they turned it into a vacation. How far drive was that? Indiana to New York. 12 hours. Whew. We drove it. It was awesome. Really miserable. <laughs> <laughs> we went through a hailstorm 15 minutes after we left her house, and it just beat the, beat the crap out of the van. I know. And then it was smooth sailing. We, 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 worked, we both worked all day. Then the kids got off the bus. We took them to the in-laws' house for the weekend and drove all night. We got to my friend Nick Leiter's house in Pennsylvania uh, as our, our stopping point at 4.30 in the morning. Crashed out for two hours, got up, and drove to New York. Oh. I can't wait for this self-driving car. <laughs> sit in the back, tie flies, read, go to sleep. Oh, yeah, get a little car vacuum. I, I did see a little meme yesterday that said with all these self-driving cars pretty soon there's gonna be a country song where a, a guy singing about his car leaving him <laughs> that's awesome what other tying tools do you utilize do you have a favorite uv type resin do you uh, use that yeah i'm, I'm using Solaris. there you go uh, I, I love it it's it's good there's some secret squirrel stuff coming out I can't talk about, but I've been using it, and it's awesome. By the time this is out, it'll probably be out. Do you got the new black, bone-dry black? Yep, you can't talk about it, though. I can't? Well, this will come out. Uh-oh. I know. It'll be out after, but you can't now. Okay. <laughs> but it's awesome. I've been using it on my porky pine quills because um, I, I like – I've been using the black resin over top of it just to thicken it up, making it stiff because um, I clipped the points off those those quills now because i got one stuck in me one day it was terrible the bone dry black is awesome because it's, it's super super water thin and so it doesn't really ruin the look of that quill but it, it gives it a lot of strength and a lot of um a shine it's it's awesome it's super glossy it's like um i know like i'm opening mine now it's like it's like the darkest black shiny liquid inky it, it looks like old-fashioned ink when you yeah, would dip your pen in that's what mine looks like i'm playing with it now trying not to get it on my new pants i know we start talking about it. i got mine out too yeah i'm loving the new uh these little colored ones the uh the cure color resins yeah i got all of them yeah i love the lexus color the blue sparkly i've been putting those on the bottom of my divers and poppers yeah, so why do you like divers so much Okay, the divers. So, I, I have to put this out. On. Everybody wants to argue with me. So, with a diver, I can do everything that I can do with a popper, and more. I can I can I can slow chug it like I'm using a popper. I can 
hard pop it and like I'm using a little Rapala. The original floater Rapala just goes under the surface and floats back up. I can long strip rip and get it underwater and I can just let it float back to the surface and pop it again if I want. You know how you get small mouth and they're nosing at your fly? Uh-huh. And you got your popper and you pop it and he comes back. She comes back. And then they lose interest and then you pop it as they're leaving and they come back. Well, if you do that twice with a popper or with a diver and that third time you let them get a little bit farther away and you start ripping that thing, get underwater, I just about always get smashed. It's like using a popper and then getting that action of getting smashed with a streamer. Then I don't think they're used to it because everybody's just using poppers all the time. Do you I'm ever, also using this little-sized four mop frog. Do you ever lose these flies that take so long? Like how long does a diver take you to make? About 30, 25, 30 minutes now. Okay. And if that gets caught, are you like going under after it? Well, it depends on how far it goes down. But I've I've went after them. I've actually got one here in my my home stretch of water. I lost on a log that was too far down because uh, I was using a sinking line. And uh, when the water got low in the summer, I found it and it was still good. That's craftsmanship for you. That's the the partridge hook held together so well. I was excited. Wow. I dropped. I was with a client two weeks ago. Uh, it was the day we, we we caught a guy shooting blue herons with a slingshot. Oh. So he's either going to, to jail or they're finding him a lot. But I was with my client and my anchor line was all twisted. So I backed up to a rock. I'm like, all right, you keep swinging for stripers. I'm going to jump out, untangle it, and I go take the carabiner and the pulley off, and they just slip off the rock into the water. And I reach down and I'm like, this is maybe in like two or three months, I'll go back and find it when the water, if the water drops. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, that was like $20 worth of gear that just slid down there. And I can't reach it. I would have went in after it. Yeah. How deep was it there? I have no idea. That's too deep. <laughs> I need one of those super magnets. There's a kid down the street that's got one. He goes to like piers and stuff and will find stuff. That's cool. I got my kids a, uh, what did I get him for the river? Um, my sister actually bought it for my uh, for finding metal underground. I can't even think of the word. Metal detector. That, yeah, I just said it. Like, I'm so. Apparently, happy. some guy thought he found something and dug a ten foot deep hole. He was picking up the metal in the toes of his boots. Oh, that's awesome! They usually go to the river, and I'll be out fly fishing with the wife. And if they don't want to fly fish, they'll run around and look for treasure. They found some cool stuff. They found some like 1960s era cast iron that was enameled with no rust on it Weird. the old ugly green it was yeah. still good it was pretty cool i love cast iron anyway they find randomness and it just keeps them busy for hours what are the ages of your kids so bear who is my daughter adeline she's five and kurt's nine ryland's 10 and malachi's 11 wow. they're crazy yeah i can imagine they outnumber you two they do i we just outpower them so Right. We own him. Our biggest thing is they'll look at us and say something off or something goofy, which they, they're everybody always compliments how polite our kids are. I was like, because I'm a terribly mean dad. Yeah, our daughter went out to dinner with our neighbors, and they came back. They're like, oh, my gosh, she was so polite. Thank you. No, thank you, please. And I was like, pardon me? Yeah. She's like, no, she was, she was an angel. And I was like, excuse me? Because here she's like, get me iced tea. And I'm like, oh, no, you do not talk to me like that. Not today, girl. <laughs> no, not if you want iced tea. I made watermelon lime iced tea last two days. 
Celestial Seasonings has watermelon lime tea bags. It's, oh, it's really good. I don't. I've never heard of that. I'm gonna have to look them up. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I found it at our grocery store Mountain that's closing. Dew. Trying to give up Mountain Dew, so I need something. And I love tea, but oh yeah, Lee Barbie, my my best bro. I was chatting with him right before well, I started chatting with you, but uh, told me to ask you about uh, the two fly tournament. Yeah, so Team Barbie and Snow White, which was not planned. We had a good time. I think he's the one that caught the like the 19-inch rainbow on the last cast. I don't know. He said he caught so many fish in one hour, it was ridiculous. Yeah, we were back in this hole that was just stock full of fish. We were throwing my bacon fly. It's the only streamer I'll use for trout. I remember he cleaned <laughs> up. But I was just laughing all day about our names together. Barbie Snow White. <laughs> yeah, and then you know he he was you know started tying off tie or tying flies at the time, and then all of a sudden his flies just became like awesome. Like he was doing a pattern a day, and you could see yeah. the progression. And then one day you're like, "Damn, this dude is talented! Like he's he's put in the work and perfected his craft." We started tying at pretty much the exact same time, except he was in Maryland. And I was in Indiana. There's a little group of us veterans that did that, um, like Raymond Collette and John Demas, been tying very, very short period. And Lee, uh, I have a whole list somewhere, but yeah, it, it's crazy. Like Healing Waters has like flooded the fly fishing market with veterans who have ridiculous amount of attention to detail that are slow and meth. meth- methodical i can't talk right now do you think that comes from being in the military i think it does because i'm absent-minded and crazy but i can sit down and advice and everything just falls together um like i know exactly what i'm doing i can look at a picture of a fish and say i'm gonna make that out of deer hair and uh, i'll do it uh it's weird how we look at the world i think it's got a lot to do with it because i mean you know, Lee gets asked, I get asked all the time. There's like, there's no way you've been tying for three years. And I'm like, you know, there's no reason to lie about it. <laughs> You're like the chef that decided to make a souffle on their first try and, and nailed it. Yeah. Um, but we're not, we're not tying. We, we love the fish, but the flies that we get to fish are just sort of second to what we're doing. We're not doing it to get, become famous or Instagram famous or make money, uh, we're doing it because we can set advice and really just forget about everything that you're thinking about. What about like your, your back and neck? Does that hurt when you're leaning over a vice, or do you not really um, feel it because you're distracted? So I've got my table set so high where I tie at home that I don't have to lean forward. I'm just sitting straight up, and I've got a heat pad and a really comfy chair. My wife's got a lazy bull recliner in her desk. we got four tying desks in my tying office. And if I'm like, my back's really hurt and I want to be loungy, I can go sit on at her tying desk and put my vice in my lap and recline and tie. They used to make the vice that would sit on your chest. You could sit back and tie. Oh, that would hurt my neck so bad. <laughs> but um, sometimes my back does get stiff. I'll just, I'll get, I got to get up and stretch every couple hours. If I don't, I'll get stuck in my chair. Uh, that's a metaphor. It's just hard to get up sometimes. Right. I don't know the the mental the mental health help that you get from just being able to forget about everything for just a 
a little bit of time is so valuable. Um, and even if it did hurt my back or neck worse, I'd probably still do this because uh, when I'm doing it, I'm not thinking about my neck or back or I'm not thinking about Afghanistan or Iraq or my buddies we didn't bring home. Uh, I'm just sitting there thinking about tying a fly. And it's unique when I'm tying flies for myself just for fun and just challenging myself or when I'm tying them just to go fish with or when I'm tying them for someone else. It's, it's just the same thing. I'll be sitting there thinking about the fly, wondering where this person's going to take it or what they're going to catch on. It's it's really, it's cool. I sent a bunch of bone, like 50 bonefish, what are, I don't remember what they're called, type of bonefish Charlie. I just sent a bunch to Aruba with a guy and I got it. I got the order on a Friday Friday night this is Mother's Day weekend I got and the shop guy was like hey this guy needs them by Friday or Sunday morning and I was like okay he needs 50 of them I was like okay and then the uh, Derek Filkins at our shop gave me gave me everything I needed to tie it so when, do when you say our, our shop what are you referring to um, do, you, do you work at a shop our local shop is says Fly Masters of Indianapolis. It's an awesome shop. Uh, it, it's older. It's uh, I think it's 29 year old shop now, right here in Indiana. And it's crazy to think about the mid center of the Midwest. We don't have trout for two and a half hours. You know, you have to drive two and a half hours in any direction. You can find trout, just not here. We've got a fly shop right in the middle of our city. We've got three now technically, but uh, that one's been here for the longest, and uh, they're stocked. They got a great selection. Uh, if I need something, I can generally go there and find it if I have a weird order. And uh, they're really good to me there. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. With Indianapolis, stop by and check them out. Yeah. They're a super cool guy, John. All those guys are good. When you're fishing, is it as therapeutic and distracting from your past as fly tying is? Uh, it's probably more so. Um, I, I've been obsessed with fishing since I was little. So, um, finding the fish, finding what they want, and it's just an awesome puzzle you have to put together every time you go. Even if you know where they're at, they might just not want to deal with you today and not want to take anything you're giving them. You have to figure it out. Do, and, you, do you have a just, winter fishery to keep you occupied in the winter? Nope. Um, I pretty much do fly fishing shows all winter long now. So that, that, that keeps me pretty busy. I didn't fish from November to March this year. It was pretty crazy. I used to tear smallmouth up year round until I listened to your smallmouth podcast. I don't do it. Yeah. I think the cold water can damage them. Yeah. Um, I went out with, when I, before I joined the guiding service, two forks, uh, Jason, I didn't know him. He messaged me and asked me if I want to go fishing. And I was like, yeah. And we went fishing. <laughs> he sat on the oars and I fished all day. It was good. It was fun. You know, some random guy just wants to take you fishing and get on the oars and go fishing. Do it. That doesn't it was, happen to me. I know. It, it's the only time it's ever happened to me. 
you know, it felt like it, it didn't feel like a job interview, but I think it was a job interview because I caught some smallmouth in February, 20 or 33 degree water. I caught several and you know, we were done. He's like, Hey, you want a job? At that time I was like, you know, I can, but not full time. I've got a job. And this past September, we just pulled the trigger on it. I quit and started sergeantbassfisher.com, which is the worst decision ever because I quit. I quit my job to tie flies for bass at the end of bass season. Right. Do you get like, benefits from your wife or is that still included with the VA? Uh, I They got me – it, it's, it's all um, in the DAV system now, but they've got me rated at like 10%. It, it's – it's a weird situation. There's a lot of politics in, in, in my situation with my back and neck injury. Because after I had my back and neck injury, they sent me to Iraq again. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, which is where I had my my biggest head injury. And so there's a lot of why was he there in the first place going on. And no one wants to buck up to it, I guess. I don't know. I stay out of that, and I just I just try to fly fish. I don't anticipate ever getting any back pay from that because it's an astronomical amount right now. Back to 2008, I think it's like $493,000 tax-free that if the DAV gets everything one that I'll get, which I never will get, by the way. But I got, I got a pretty great life. I got an awesome family, uh, tying flies and fishing for a living, and I get to travel the country. Uh, and teach people what I'm doing and talk to them and uh, try to get kids involved. That's that's my biggest thing right now is pushing to get kids involved. My five-year-old may, I can't say much else, she may have a an article coming out in a, a major publication here soon. Very cool. She's obsessed with tying, and she's a little girl. And I try to explain that to the boys. I'm like, boys, I know that you're awesome tires. It's like Adeline's five. She's going to get a lot more attention. Like, yep. That's nature of the beast, guys. I was like, high fiver and then try harder. I was like, mom and bear will pass all of us up. They really, really get into it. Maybe she'll have her own podcast coming up soon. She can like, interview children fishers. You know, uh, at the So Bug Roundup in Arkansas, I, t- I chatted with their board and I was like, you know, you guys got a kid's tying area. I was like, but. It's like doing the little safety pin spiders. I was like, there's like four kids now that's here that's under nine years old that's tying ridiculously high level. I was like, how you got a featured tire, which I was one of them. They have four featured tires through the whole event, and then you get to talk and teach everybody something. Did you get to meet Trad? He wasn't there. Oh, man. He didn't make it. I was really excited to meet him because we're on the same, we're on a couple teams that's the same. But no, I didn't see him. I met Dave Whitlock there. Uh, that was crazy. I got to sit down with Dave and chat for a pretty good while about deer hair and art. And we just hit it off. They invited us out to their place in Oklahoma. And then he wanted me to tie him a cardinal. And I didn't have time to tie him a cardinal because somehow I someone asked me to make an Arkansas Razorback out of deer hair. And I was like, well, I ain't got that collar. And I was wandering around the forest show one, early one morning before I was starting to tie. And I sat down at these guys' booth and they had a big Wopsy banner. And I was like sitting there chatting with them. And they're like, hey, you're 
you're the guy that ties all those crazy deer hair flies. I was like, yeah. And I, uh, they asked me to go grab them. So I went over and grabbed a couple of them. My, my giant raccoon and all that goofy stuff I do. I showed them and they're like, I was like, yeah, someone told me to do an Arkansas Razorback, but I ain't got the right color hair. And the guy, his name is Mike Benton, was like, I might know a guy that can uh, get you the deer hair. I was like, right on, who's that? He looked over at his buddy Joe, and I was like, where are you going to get it at? Like, I'll pay for it. I don't care if you can get it here today. And he's like, you don't know? I'm like, I haven't a clue what you're talking about. He's like, well, my family owns Wapsy. How about that? I was like, well, that'll do. Yeah, (laughs) they started off dyeing all their hair in a washing machine back in the day. They still are. I I did a factory tour or facility tour. You know, I stayed in his group, and at, they took me to the Primo strips, and it was like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's crazy. It's like a kid being in a candy store legitimately. I, like, touched everything. If you buy a Primo strip from Wopsy in the next five months, I have touched it. I promise. But I went through all of them. I was like, oh, look at this one. Look at the thick hairs on this. Oh, my gosh, this one's barred. And I was like, oh, this is a misprint. This is a little off color. This is a great piece of hair. <laughs> Because those off-colored ones, they're gold. It was really cool because they wanted the Arkansas Razorback that I was going to tie, which I'm only ever going to tie one. I've done it, and I'm not going to do it again. I had to design a fly to perfection in front of a crowd of people, a huge crowd of people. The Sobug Roundup is absolutely huge. If you ever make it down there, it's worth it. Uh, it's so fun. And everybody's got that awesome southern accent, so it just it makes it even better. <laughs> When you, but, uh, when you tie one of those, how many, like, do you start with one and practice with it, and then you go to make your final one, or do you just do that single one? I just I just do it. Damn. Uh, all the posts of my birds, pretty much, besides the hummingbird, are all my first tries. And it's crazy how much attention I get. Like, my first kingfisher I posted got a little over 2,000 likes. Which is astronomical to me. I know it's not really a big deal to some people, but I was like, holy cow, 2,000 likes. I've only got 5,000 followers, and I got 2,000 likes on one fly. But uh, it was it was crazy. I got the, the Arkansas Razorback done, and it was really hard. The little squiggly tail I took, a, it was really hard, and then the tusks was really hard, and then designing the head shape with everybody watching. Mike George was there, and he was watching me. And uh, that was really stressful because he's one of the best in the – he's, like, the best in the world when it comes to, you know, the deer hair art stuff. It just was really nerve-wracking. I I seriously had 30 or 40 people around me at times watching me design a fly, which I'm used to doing in my bedroom – or not my bedroom, but my tying room, and taking my sweet time and just sitting on it and thinking about it. But I I had to do it, and I got it done in six hours. But uh, the tail really threw me off. I took a bodkin and I shaved, or I shaved uh, some red pine squirrel, and I shaved it down to where there was just leather and a, a little tuft of hair. Then I wrapped it around a bodkin and took some Solares Flex and re- rubbed it all over the tail. And then I cured it. And then I pulled it off with a little corkscrew. So I tied that in. That's brilliant. That's that's absolutely <laughs> incredible. That you thought of that on the spot. Yeah, I don't know. I just it just came to me, and then the tusk. I was like, "What can I use for a tusk?" So, I I got up and I just <coughs> excuse me. I got up from my my desk and I just walked around for about ten minutes and 
looking at everything I could at the shop, the little shop they had there and everybody else's materials. I was looking around for what I could find and buy. And I walked into the concession area and I just like stopped. I don't know why I thought of it, but I was like, I have a whole bundle of pheasant tails. I can cut off the tips of them, uh, of the quill and use them as teeth. And I did. I went back and I used them as those big old tusks and it, it looked awesome. The little, I'm looking at some now. So the little white hollow tapered tips on them. Yeah. It turned out to be perfect little tusk and it, and, uh, it just came to me. See, I, I would have gone with like a fingernail clipping. See, I thought about that. My fingernails weren't long enough, and the, the one lady that was there that had them long enough wouldn't cut them off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I made that up. <laughs> it was pretty pretty fun. I, I love traveling. I, I, uh, at the same time, I hate it. I hate being in my car all the time. But I, I love getting out to meet people. I got to um, meet you know, Rick Takanashi and Dave Whitlock. I'm going to be out in Pennsylvania twice next month. I'll be there for... 7th, 8th, and ninth with the Donegal chapter of Trout Unlimited. Um, they just asked me if I wanted to come out and fish. Did they take care of everything? And I don't have to do anything. Just show up and fish with their veterans. I told them I'd bring my vice and do some classes while everybody's around the fire drinking beer if that's what they want. That's cool with me. I love tying. I love teaching. Drink a Mountain Dew while you're at it. Oh, yeah. I'm drinking Mountain Dew right now. I'm trying to quit. So hopefully next time you see me, I'm not drinking Mountain Dew. Then we got a show uh, Carlisle, Pennsylvania. June 29th for the Pennsylvania Fly Fishing Association. This is a, they're a new nonprofit. They're trying to get kiddos out, more kiddos out, which is something I can really get behind. So I got involved. My friend Nick Leiter's running it. It's going to be a big thing to me, for me, because um, for one, I got Lee Barbie flying into my house, and we're going to drive out there together. Oh, road trip. Road trip. My wife's going. We're going to do some fishing prior to that. And then um, there's a little girl. Uh, there's some secret school stuff going on with a book, but there's this little girl I wanted to help us write the foreword of our book. She's eight years old, and, and she's quite the little, little character. Uh, her name's uh, March Brown Eyed Dunn on Instagram. But uh, she's she's real hardcore. She's eight, eight or nine, I think, and she's wrote an article for Dunn Magazine, and she's hardcore into fly fishing and tying and getting girls involved in it. It just really struck me. And uh, so I, I talked to her dad about helping us with this book that I got he- asked to help with. And without talking to the guys in charge or the editor, I just did it on my own accord. <laughs> and they loved it. And so I asked her dad. They're in they're in West Texas. And so I, uh, I was like, hey, if you guys happen to be in Pennsylvania, you know, June 29th, we got this show that you can be at. They uh, said... Uh, we're going to Maine that week, and so we'll be driving through. So I was like, no way. Heck yeah, little meet and greet. So yeah, we're going to get her out there and promote her a little bit, because she's awesome. And uh, uh, she's adorable and fly fishes and teaches real well, so I'm excited to meet them. Uh, so it's going to be an awesome little event. And there's going to be a showing of the fly fishing film tour there. So It's going to be a great weekend, and then... After that, I'm going to try to fish with one of my buddies that uh, lives out there that's real popular in Pennsylvania. Everybody knows him. I don't want to say his name right now. but And hopefully I can talk him into going up to Deddy Fly Shop with me, Lee, and Megan because we're going to finish our trip up there fishing to Delaware with Joe Fox and Bryn. Nice. Bryn Anytime you're swinging through the nation's capital, any plans for that? 
Hey, I tell you what, I, when we drove up there the other day, it said like Washington D.C. like so far out, and I was like, man, I need to call Rob. Yeah, you'll be. So you're going to be up in uh, the 29th. Is that at the Yellow Breaches? That's at Carlisle. Carlisle. Yeah, that's like that's under three, but two and a, a little two and a half hours maybe. But we are going to be in Ohio then. That's why I can't make yeah. it. We're driving to Columbus on the 29th. Okay. So I'll be driving back through Columbus on the third or second. Ooh. Ely and Megan, but it's going to be really late. Cause we're, I'll say we're we'll make you some Russian food. We're yes. going we're gonna to fish all day on the second. All day. We're going to fish all day, and then we're going to have dinner, and then we're going to drive 12 hours home. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Well, you know, we I didn't want to I didn't want Lee traveling on the fourth, and so really I was like, get your plane ticket for the third, and we'll drive home the second. Right. I always fish on July fourth. That's one of my things. I'm not good with crowds, and so I definitely won't be fishing this weekend. And what about the sounds of it? Uh, it used to bug me. It doesn't anymore. Okay. It bugs my daughter, so that's an excuse for me to stay indoors with her. I'm fine if I'm watching it. If if my neighbors start popping them off a couple of days earlier, a couple of days after all. Does it make you jump at all? It does. I got a funny story about that. One of my friends at the factory that I worked at, he was a force recon marine, or he was a Marsop marine. And wow. He's one of the guys I would never mess with. He's, yeah. he's absolutely brilliant <clears throat> and creepy brilliant <laughs> when it comes to military tactics and pretty much stalking and surveillance. Uh, we were, it was raining and we were making fun of all, we were both team leaders. We were both making fun of all our team cause it was raining and they were freaking out cause they had to run to their car and we're like, yeah, be a man, walk. It ain't going to hurt you. <laughs> and then a transformer blew and we were both on our bellies crawling <laughs> through the mud freaking out. <laughs> cause it was like a pool, like 50 That's instinct for you. Oh yeah. We didn't, we did not miss a beat. I went to the grass. He went underneath the truck and. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm it was sorry, funny. you guys still have to, you know, live with that though. That's something well, you're gonna have to deal with forever. I don't know. I mean, if something startles you like that, transformer blowing up over your head don't happen too often. Right. But, uh, it was just funny because we were making fun of our team, and then they turned around and got to make fun of us for a really long time. <laughs> yeah. Because that was our it was our lunch, so we had to finish the rest of our our shift with soaking wet with mud all over us. Ugh. Well, I did. He he stayed in the parking lot because he's smarter than I am. All right. I think I'm going to ask you some uh, some random questions now. Shoot. Is there a fish species you won't target? No. Do you have any fishing superstitions on, on like, the way to uh, the stream? Nope. Where would you like to fish if you were stuck in your own groundhog day? So every day you woke up to the same spot to fish. I don't even care as long as there's fish there, I guess. Is there a, a worse place you fished? Worst place. I don't know. I just, I'm weird when I, I love fishing. I don't care if I'm catching fish. I don't, man. Yeah. Brookville. I hate Brookville in Indiana. That's our only trout stream. And I've never caught a trout there. I went there like 10 times. And I just get my butt kicked there all the time. I've still not caught a brown trout. And my first brown trout that chased one of my streamers was at Brookville. I got it all on GoPro, too. It's funny. I see this beautiful flash of butter chase after this little white zonker strip. 
And as soon as I see it, I set the hook, man. That fish was at least eight inches away from my fly. <laughs> but I was excited. I knew it was a butter bar. And, but I don't like Brookville. All right. Would, what would you tell someone that's just getting started in fly tying? Uh, do it because you love it. Don't do it because everybody thinks it's cool. Um, you're going to progress a lot faster if you're doing it just for yourself and doing your own thing. Do what you like to do. Um, don't do it for the followers. That's just silly. And I know guys that have a lot of followers and they're just miserable because they have to, they have to tie five flies a day or their followers are going to get mad. Like, I don't even care. I didn't, I haven't tied till today for a couple of weeks. I've been so busy. I, I try to get in here and tie, but I'm not worried if I don't get something on my social media account. I'm worried about getting out there fishing or getting behind my vice. Do you have a favorite fly fishing author? Oh, man. I've read so many books. Uh, you know, I like Joe Joe Humphrey's books on... Uh, he has a book that I've been reading on trout. It, it, it really helped me learn about hatches. One of the I'm not great... trout because I don't have trout around me, so yeah. it helped. I love his bit about smushing your nymph in, like, the algae and muck under a rock. Yeah. So it smells like a bug that lives where it's supposed to live. Yeah, I do that with bluegill flies because of that. Yeah, we caught some big bluegill yesterday, like fighting on the, the reel on a five-way big. Mm. I caught a pumpkin seed the other day that was bigger than my size 10 flip-flop. Dude, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, Ryland, when he was, which is our middle boy, he caught the biggest pumpkin seed I ever seen on a bobber rig like two years ago. And I was like, man, that could have been me. I'm telling you, that's why I don't want to swim in fresh water. Bluegill Dude, pumpkin seeds, uh, uh-uh. uh, and they bite, man. They, they, if you let them just bite your thumb, they, they've got some, some muscle in them jaws. Yeah, not so much bluegill, but those shell crackers do. What's the strangest thing you found while fishing? My my kiddos found a a Halloween skull half buried in the sand at a river, and oh, I was out fly fishing, that's and that's freaky. It was, was this was last last spring or fall I don't remember it was last summer anyway bear was four at the time and she held it up over her head and was like pirate treasure and I looked over and she and it just, you know from no fifty yards or fifty feet fifty yards how far I was out she looked like uh, Hamlet it looked like she was straight up holding a human skull that had because it just was crushed on one side and had dirt all over it like we just dug it up and I was like I I lost it for a second I was like what. Sorry. Our, our neighborhood pool, and there's someone that listens to the podcast that doesn't like me talking about the pool, but we've got a sand volleyball pit, and I want to bury some bones in it because the kid's just digging it all day long, and I just want to bury an arm or hand bone from a Halloween display and just be sitting there waiting for some kid to pull it out and go running to their parent. That's awesome. That's on my list of things to do this summer. Pool opens on Saturday. Woo! Oh, that's awesome. You got to you got to set a GoPro up somewhere and videotape that. Yeah. What is your most unusual fly time material? Would that be the monkey? Or do you got something that's better than capuchin? I don't know. I guess that's something that I've never seen anyone else have. But uh, it's pretty weird. Yeah, that's probably it. Uh, groundhog tail. I have some groundhog tail right in front of me. I'm using it on this pattern. 
Do you have, have, a, you have a dog in your house? Do you have a pet have a dog? What? Do you have a dog? Yeah. Does it go yeah. after all this stuff? Um, no, I have a baby gate in my room. That so works. he can't get through the door. So I, I trip over baby gates. I can never open them, so I always fall. I couldn't have that. But our our dog, he just just kind of paws at the drawer of cowtails and bucktails, but he never gets into them. I give I give Ghost our our dog's name is Ghost. I give him the the natural Primo strips, the leather to chew on. Yeah, he it, loves it. It's good stuff. Yeah, you don't use the, the stuff with the collar because it has to die and it could hurt him. But uh, the natural stuff, that's fine. Natural collar, that soft leather is real good for their teeth, especially. Who's your favorite person to fish with? Um, Megan, my wife. Nice. She'll be ha- happy to hear that if she listens. Uh, uh, yeah. She's fishing. I can fish more often. Right or left hand retrieve? Uh, on the reel? Yeah. I don't care. I do both. Whatever. I just, I haven't, actually, I got reels with either or. I don't really mess with it. All right. And the last of this section of questions, uh, if you had a superhero power to make you a better angler, what would you choose? Oh, man. I knew this question was going to come up. I should have thought about it. Hmm. I'd read their minds so I know what they want so I can tie flies for that. Dig it. All right. Uh, are you related to anyone famous? Uh, not that I can recall. What do you put on your hot dogs, ketchup or mustard? Mustard. Sauerkraut. <laughs> do you have a good ghost story? Yes. Mosqueda took Urban Training Center, a place I worked um, in Indiana when I was enlisted. Uh, I was in the guard then, and... Uh, it's an old insane asylum city that they decommissioned and gave to the military, and we turned it into a urban environment, um, Iraq, Afghanistan training facility. It, it was all powered on steam, so they have these huge steam tunnels, and um, that place is crazy haunted. I heard one of our younger guys hollering at me when I was in the tunnel, and so I went down there and looked for him, and I, I thought he was supposed to be asleep racked out for his next shift yeah the video camera showed him going in to his rack and not coming out till he was supposed to but he was in the tunnel on the camera as well dude he was two places at once impossible yikes but that place was creepy uh you would be in the tunnels and it'd be toasty warm and then all of a sudden it would just get ice cold where you can see your breath and then it would go away that's the dementors man i know right so my my daughter is so obsessed. Well, all the kids are obsessed with Harry Potter. My daughter wants to change her name to Hermione. You know, she fights me about it all the time. So she's like, I could catch so many fish if I was Hermione. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> you can either be Adeline or you can be Bear. But it's cute. Like, we'll be waiting on the bus in the morning and the kids will be out there <laughs> saying spells and being goofy. And it just cracks me up. They That's like. funny. <laughs> Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. That's their thing. I can't complain about that. <laughs> What's your favorite Harrison Ford movie? Uh, Star Wars. Nice. Preference for which episode? Um, the first episode. All right. Episode four. What's your most irrational phobia? 
I don't think I'm scared of anything. Uh, I don't have any phobias. I'm an idiot. I'm not scared of anything. Do you have That's any? Not, do you have any non-fishing superstitions to go with? Pho- no phobias. Not really. I'm like super logical and rational person. I don't really have any superstitions. I guess. Where's the best sandwich you've ever eaten? Oh man, it was on a fishing trip. I can't remember. I also have short-term memory loss, so it's hard for me to remember some things. Uh, gosh, I think I was in Missouri. Someone took me out to. I'll, I'll get back to you on that, but uh, someone took me out to lunch in Missouri at um, Bennett Springs, and uh, I had one of the best sandwiches ever there. Could you make a sandwich fly out of deer yeah. hair, like a BLT or a hoagie? That would be really hard, but sounds delicious though. I like a challenge. Yeah. Um, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Don't quit till I'm dead. All right. I guess. I mean, that's that's pretty pretty blunt. I reckon. It's a good one. All right. Well, Joe, that sums up my questions. Anything I forgot to ask you? Um, I don't think so. But you know, thanks for having me on here. It was uh, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty unrealistic that I've only been doing this for three years, and uh, I'm getting to do what I didn't know I loved three years ago. Yeah, and you're it's doing it very well. Thank you. I've got some things I want to get out to you too. Um, some flies I want you to try out for Shad. Okay, we got till next year. I know. I got plenty of time. I got a lot of flies on my plate right now i'm getting ready to thursday the kids get out of school and so i'll be home with them every day either fishing or tying flies so i'm going to start i got some commercial things when we start doing so i'm going to try tie three or four hundred nymphs a day wowzers it's going to be miserable what do you what do you listen to when you're tying i listen to everything from insane death metal to john fogarty i i listen to it all country I don't listen to rap. I've been getting but, back into Catherine Wheel. Yeah, I mostly listen to podcasts. So you get your podcast in Orvis. Spend a lot of time on them. And, Fantastic. So, nice. so you get a lot of hits from me. Nice. Where where can we find you online besides Sergeant Bass Fisher on Instagram? Well, my Facebook. You can add my personal one, Joe Jackson. I try to go through and delete. All the non-fly fishers once a week because I keep hitting five thousand, and uh, or if anybody posts anything drug-related, I'm just like, oh, I can delete you. Drug-related, so, like, yeah, people from my, my past, from when I was uh... people I grew up with. Uh, so if they post anything weird like that, I just delete them because I don't want to see it. But and then uh, you get the Russian hoochie mamas that like you on Instagram, and you're like, who are these people? Yeah, and that's crazy. It's. I like Instagram because there's like zero politics on it. And I just, I hate politics these days. So I just try to stay away from it and stay on my vice. So. Right on, dude. All I got to deal with on the Instagram is, you know, seeing nothing but fly fishing stuff and then the sponsored hoochie mamas. Yeah. My wife will pick up my Instagram and go through it. She's like, oh my God, this is so boring. I'm like, I need a non-fishing one. <laughs> like, I, I, need, I just want to follow gardeners. I would love to just have yeah. a whole Instagram just for garden porn. I'm weird because I, I follow a bunch of gardening and mushrooming and foraging, and then I got these fossil ones. And I, I'm 
I like reading about fossils. I like similar. I'll see a random fossil and be like, oh, I gotta go look up this kind of trilobites and I want to know about it. Nice. It's weird. I read a lot when I'm when I'm just somewhere where I can't tie a fish. I just sit there on my phone and read. I have a whole library of books I've been collecting. I haven't got to start on them. Have you ever read Bill Bryson's A Short History of Nearly Everything? No. I'll send it to you. I'll send you the audio file. That sounds good to me. Listen when you tie. I'll do that right. Whoa. Hit the mic. All right, I'll do that right now. So how about I go do that, you go hang out with your family, and hopefully we can bump into each other in July? All right, sounds good. Fantastic, Sergeant Bass Fisher. Thank you so much. Take it easy, brother. All right. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.